I'm originally from Minnesota, so I appreciate a good corn-fed welcome. Come on, somebody. You can stay standing. We're going to pray here. It's an honor to be with you guys and excited for what God wants to bring today, what God wants to do uh, this morning. And I love your church. Man, what an amazing church you guys are. You guys are just exceptional. The presence of God is here. You know, God, you know, I... I think God wants to be in every church, but I don't think God is often welcome in every church. And But God's welcome here, and you can feel that, right? Because, you know, I've oftentimes say this. I mean, obviously, as a preacher, you want to prepare. As worship leaders, you want to prepare. And you're going to do your best to create environments. But so much of what God does in a moment is less about how good the singers are, how good a preacher is, and more about how hungry the people are, right? More about how much of a lean-in there is. So the Holy Spirit is here, and, and I believe he wants to speak. So just for a moment, lift up your hands just to receive. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being in this place with us. For not leaving us on our own, but coming and empowering us and filling us, and setting us free. And I thank you, Lord, for everyone in this room, as well as those watching online. God, would you bless them? Would you be with them? Would you meet them in this place? Would you meet them here? You know... I feel like God is just, in, he's so generous to speak to us. God doesn't leave us on our own. God doesn't leave us, you know, empty-handed. He speaks. He's clear. He loves to talk to his children. He loves to talk to us. And we're able to hear his voice. And God's speaking this morning. You know, last night God ministered to a specific thing, and, and we may do more of that. But this morning, I just felt like God wanted to, uh, I wanted to speak and pray over those who maybe have a, a work injury. It's one of the things I feel like God showed me uh, this morning as I was in prayer. Maybe, maybe it's a recent, maybe it's an old one, um, maybe it's even a dirt bike injury. I saw that as well. If that's you, you got an injury that you need you need healing in because of you know something you've done, whether it be recreation or work, would you just lift up your hand? We'll see who that is. Okay, bunch of us. Would you make your way? Do you mind if if you just make your way down to the front? I just want to pray for you guys real quick, and we're gonna see healing happen. And I believe that God wants to speak to you as well. Okay, make make your way down here. Awesome. So good. Yeah, come on down. Anyone else? We're going to pray for healing and pray for a miracle for you guys as well. And God, God's going to speak as well. So just kind of lift up your hands. Let me just grab your hand. And let me just pray over you guys real quick. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare healing to flow through his body right now, top of his head to the bottom of his feet. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And here's what I see God just saying. In the middle of this, I see God just saying, hey, he's your covering, and he's your shield, and he's covering you. He's, he's building a, a, a roof over your head. He is strengthening you. He's anointed you for this season, for this moment, and you're not left out from underneath the covering of heaven and the favor of God. And I thank you, Lord, that there's new seasons of grace, there's new seasons of creativity. And I see where it's felt like maybe you've been spinning your tires a little bit in the mud. I see God is going to give you a sure footing, going to give you a traction to move forward. 
in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Life and healing over your body, your mind, body, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, just, just keep leaning in for that healing. Look for that healing. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare life to flow right now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Full and complete right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You know, the Bible says that he looks throughout the earth to, to bless, to strengthen those whose hearts are fully devoted to him. And I just want you to know that God, you, you've got a beacon, right? Like a, a homing, you know, kind of beacon. You've got a spotlight on your life. God has seen your faithfulness and he's here to bless you. He's here to honor you. He's here to give you grace. And I thank you, Lord, that those things that maybe have seemed lost, I see like the filing system, where it feels like maybe something was lost, I see God restoring. I see God restoring that. He's giving you clarity, and that's maybe clarity of mind, but also literally those things that felt lost, those things that maybe you lost heart in, God is restoring and God is bringing back in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are the great physician. You're the healer. And I thank you, Lord, for the future of this man. I thank you, Lord, for the purposes and the plans that you have for him. Plans to prosper and not to harm him, to give him a hope and a future. And I thank you, Lord, that you are rebuilding him in a way that is stronger than before. I see like a, like a Formula One race car type of a situation where God, it's like maybe there was injury to the chassis kind of a concept, but that God is actually rebuilding that. He's rebuilding that stronger, more fortified, sleeker, faster in the name of Jesus. What the enemy meant for evil, God is working for good in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on. Thank you, Lord, for my friend here. Bless him. Put your hand on him. I thank you, Lord, for your touch. I thank you, Lord, for your strength. I thank you, Lord, for your strength right now in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I just see, I just see the weight. I see a weight of the world on your shoulders, but I want to remind you that Jesus carries that. But then also I see God strengthening you. It's, it's, it's one thing to carry the weight of the world as in it weighs you down. It's another thing to realize that actually God is strengthening you to carry, right? So you're not carrying on your own, but actually that God has given you broad shoulders so that in him you can carry and you can strengthen and you can lead and you can, you can be somebody who ministers life in a way that others can't. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, life to your body, life to your mind, life to your spirit. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this incredible daughter of yours. I thank you, Lord, she's loved by you, called by you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that where the enemy is coming to steal, kill, and destroy in the past, God, that you're sealing that tight. We just cancel and renounce any, anything the enemy, any plans he's had, any lies that have gone in there. I command that to leave right now in the name of Jesus. I rebuke that spirit of fear. I come against the lies of the enemy right now. 
where it's tried to attach and tried to hold back and tried to resist. But God, I thank you, Lord. She's a daughter of the king. And, and, and the enemy cannot, cannot have her, cannot mess with her. And so I thank you, Lord, that God is healing up those things. Maybe you thought the wound would never heal. But I see God healing. He's a restorer. He's a minister of life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's thank God for his goodness this morning. I don't, I don't know what your injury was exactly. I feel like God wanted to minister life and also speak over you guys. Did you come up to, oh, you're standing in the front row. What's up? All right. Um, let, me, let me just pray over a couple other people. You, were you guys standing here at the end of the row? You, was that your husband? Can I pray with you guys real quick? Just extend your hands forward to these two. I just feel like God has something for you guys. Father, I pray your blessing. I thank you, Lord, for your anointing. I thank you, God, for your strength on them. I just see that God has anointed you. I don't know if you're a grill master, but I just see that God has anointed you to to produce just such great life-giving food. Maybe you're good at hospitality in the natural, but but in the spiritual, I just see God just saying, hey, you God has gifted you guys. You're, you're, you're like a the bread of life delivery system. The way you guys are, God trusts you with that. God, God works in you with that. You know the perfect temperatures. You know the perfect settings to know how to produce what people need. And God trusts you with his people because you take the care to perfectly produce, to perfectly serve up, to perfectly fillet something that is just going to meet the right need at the right moment. So God, I ask because of their faithfulness, God, would you bless them and increase them in finances? God, would you expand their territory in health and everything in the name of Jesus? Amen. Amen. Come on. Love you guys. Let me, uh, I'm going to get into the word here because my time's ticking away here, but I want to thank you guys. You guys are blessed. Look for healing. Move whatever was hurting. Let me know if you're healed. Um, There's one other thing I wanted to pray for before I jump into this, and this could be people here online as well. Um, I, I don't mean to call call this out other than I just want to believe with you. If, if you're in a space where you're saying, man, I'm believing, you and you're, you're, as a couple, you're believing to have a kid, right? And you've been trying and, and you're just not seeing that success. And you just say, yep, and count me in, clue me in. We're believing to have, have babies and and maybe doctor's reports or different situations. If you're willing, would you just, you and your, your spouse, or if your your spouse is in here, would you just lift up your hand? Let me just pray over you real quick. If that's anyone in the room, anybody saying you're believing to have kids? Some of you are like, I'm believing to not have kids right now in Jesus' name. <laughs> Some of you guys, awesome. Okay, anybody else to say that's you? Believe, believe it? <laughs> Some of you are going, I hope, hope not. But some of you guys are believing for it. And I see a couple over here, so I'm just going to pray. So because God, God is the miracle giver. He's a provider. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that you are bringing life. That you are reversing diagnosis. That you are healing wombs. 
that you're putting things back together. And Father, I thank you, Lord. What man said was impossible is possible with you. And I thank you, Lord, that we're going to see a beautiful child this time next year, God. I thank you, Lord, for your, your provision, your strength, that you are the miracle-working God, full of goodness, full of hope. We thank you, Lord, for life and life to the full. You called us to increase and multiply and take dominion. So I thank you, Lord, for that increase over their lives and over these wombs in the name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. Come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise. You guys can grab a seat. And can we give it up for our worship team? You guys are awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, it's an honor to be here. I love your pastors. Come on. Uh, two of the absolute best, Pastor Jesse and Lauren. And uh, man, they're just in a season of uh, resting and refreshing as a family. How, how many thankful for, for leaders who understand the importance of rest, right? And rhythm and routine. And man, it's so great to run hard after the purposes of God, but God, God designed us to enjoy life as well, right? The sum total of life is not burning yourself out. <laughs> the sum total of life is not to just run hard until you hit a brick wall and then life is over. No, God has called us to enjoy life, enjoy his creation, enjoy community, enjoy people, enjoy purpose and mission. And so we bless your pastors right now. We bless them and pray God's favor and his grace over their lives in Jesus name and um and I'm thankful for the team as well. Got a chance to hang out with some of your amazing leaders the last uh, 24 hours here that we've been hanging out. Sean and Holly taking good care of me. And uh, and I, I shouted this out and I can't not. But I, to me, I've never known Pastor Rob without a mustache. But for many of you guys, this is the first time seeing him like that. Some of you may be concerned, slightly scared, you know. Um, but his wife asked me to take a public poll to see if he should keep it or not. He's, she's trying to help some positive peer pressure. Um, but uh, out of just a quick round of applause, you think she should keep the mustache? Stand up. Show him the stash. I mean, it's just, it's a thing of majesty. Um, okay, that wasn't huge. Who thinks he needs to get rid of this thing quickly? Oh. All right. Everyone who just cheered is a friend of your wife and your marriage, okay, so. <laughs> uh, it's such an honor to be here. I, I've got a word that I, I feel like is for the times, it's for the church, it's for you guys. And so let me begin by getting to Matthew chapter 16. I love this passage, and maybe you've heard it before. Uh, it can be a somewhat familiar passage, it's such a powerful few verses. In Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13, it says this, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, you know, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And then verse 15, but what about you? It says, he asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 
You know, the enemy is trying to prevail, and the kingdom of heaven is advancing against the gates of the enemy, and the gates of the enemy will not prevail against the church. But one of the first indicators of that, what is he talking about? He's talking about the truth of the revelation of who Jesus is. That rock-solid, clear foundation of truth that Peter had a revelation of, Jesus says, that's the truth that I'm going to build everything on. And on that clarity of the truth of Jesus as the Christ, the gates of hell has no chance against the kingdom of heaven. And I'm going to build a church that is able to charge forward in the middle of chaos, in the middle of confusion. You know, we live in very confused times. Would you agree to that? We, we live in times where some of the things that you hear on the news, some of the things that come out of professors' mouths or politicians' mouths are so shocking that you can't even believe that they are an adult, you know, the kinds of things they might say, right? They, they, they can't even tell, you know, whether or not men or women give birth anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, 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 they can't tell anymore or with clarity that two plus two is four because that might be racist. You know, math is racist now. Men are giving birth. It's a confusing time. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's wild time, some of the things that people will say. And you just think, man, am I the only one who sees the truth? Am I the only one not asleep? Am I the only one wake, awoke enough to be able to see what's going on? And so, Pete, so Jesus with his disciples is saying, listen, I've got to dial in rock solid clarity about who I am and what the truth is in my disciples if this is going to advance. Because Jesus is not just a way, an option, some kind of ethereal truth out there that you can take or leave he jesus claims and declares i am not a way i am the way i am the truth and i am the life amen and unless we have that at our core then we're going to live a confused dazed unfulfilled kind of life and jesus is calling us to that and Jesus calling us that rocks up. There's a, it's, it, we're in a wild time too with, with so-called Christians who claim Christianity but then reject the Bible, which is so weird to me. There, there's a very sad, uh, he was a well-known worship leader, and in his bio it still says Pentecostal worship leader, which I would encourage him to remove because he posted something literally just yesterday or the day before that said Jesus was the Christ, Buddha was the Christ, Muhammad was the Christ, Christ is our revelation of us and God, we're all the Christ. I mean, this dude is, he's got his brain scrambled, right? He has no, he has no clue what he's talking about anymore. He is literally giving himself over to a depraved mind. He's given himself over to Satan. One of the biggest reasons why that particular gentleman got offended in the church and he allowed that spirit of offense to absolutely be a doorway for Satan to destroy his life. And here's the problem in our current culture is that, um, you know, when it, when it comes to this era of confusion, this is not a new concept. This is not a brand new thing. It's literally the way the devil has been working since day one. If you remember in the garden with Adam and Eve, 
And the devil comes to tempt, and, you know, Adam and Eve say, well, we're not supposed to eat this tree. And what is the first thing that the devil does and says to Eve? says, did God really say? So the first thing that the enemy has been doing and has continued to do throughout the generations is to get you and me to second guess the truth of God's word. To second guess the intention of God's word. To second guess the validity of God's word. So if you're, if you're all of a sudden nervous about people going, well, you know, the Bible isn't really authoritative and you know how it's got errors and you know translations. Don't get shocked when people try to get you to disbelieve or to reject the truth of God's word because that has been happening from Satan since the very beginning. And I would say, it happens often, but I would say for sure about every century, just long enough for people to forget the last time around, there's a massive assault on whether or not the Bible can be trusted, whether or not the Bible is truth or not, whether or not we can believe it. I remember watching a documentary um, about Billy Graham's life, and it was... Just a powerful, I love watching his, you know, his story, listening to him preach. But at the beginning of his ministry, as, as things were really beginning to ramp up globally and nationally, there was one of those seasons where a lot of people in and outside of the church were really attacking and assaulting the strength of God's word. Talking about how it can't be trusted, talking about how it's not valid, talking all these, this kind of stuff. And so Billy Graham had to wrestle with that. What was he going to do? How was the Reverend Billy Graham going to approach the word of God? Was he going to start kind of dodging it? Was he going to acknowledge that, you know, uh, yeah, you know, there's parts that are true, but the whole Bible is not really true. It's not really the authoritative word of God. Which approach was he going to take? Was he going to go along with some of the cultural narratives that were slashing God's word? Or was he going to stand on the truth of God's word? So he began to wrestle with that. And out of that wrestle came such a conviction about the authority and the power and the potency of the word of God that oftentimes if you go back and listen to any of his sermons, you'll oftentimes hear him hear him saying phrases like the Bible says you know the word of God says in the scripture God says right he was never nervous about claiming or standing on the word of God just because the culture was maybe trying to denounce it or reject it or not give truth and clarity he understood the only thing the only way, the only truth, the only thing that sets men and women free is the truth of God's word. Amen? Now, if, uh, if you follow me on, on Instagram at all, you'll know I, I like to push buttons. I like to, you know, lean into truth a little, a little aggressively in that space. And I got fired up this morning. I posted that clip of Braveheart uh, where, you know, he just says his iconic, like, Braveheart speech, you know. You can take our lives, but you can't take our freedom. That, that would make me run through a wall. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, that little scene is so epic. But one of, 
recently I posted uh, something, you know, four kind of hot topics, social issues that every Christian should be able to answer. So I go through uh, several of them, give a scriptural reference and a basic, you know, statement from the Bible about that topic. And somebody who is a Christian messaged me directly and just said, hey, I'm not saying anything against what you posted, but I was really kind of hoping for more of a, a secular reasoning around why that is true because, you know, not everyone really believes the Bible, so that it's a little bit harder for me to take what you've posted and actually use it because not everyone agrees with the Bible. And I, I sort of understand what he's trying to get at, and certainly science and history and archaeology, all of that constantly validates the Bible. You know, there's been no archaeological dig that has ever disproven a claim in the Bible. The, the Bible is, is one of the most flawless books, which I'm going to get to in a second. But one of the things that this gentleman has kind of fall for is this idea that I'm going to create clarity in a confused world by using the same issues and logic that a confused world is using rather than saying, listen, I, know, I don't care whether or not you're rejecting the truth. I know what the truth is. That's what I'm going to stand on. That's what I have to declare. That's what I'm going to use. It's the only thing that can unravel the chaos of the world that we're living in. Not the latest philosophy, right? Not, not some fresh ideology, not the greatest, latest, you know, um, you know, professor or teacher, it's the Word of God. The Word of God is what brings truth. The Word of God is what brings clarity. The Word of God is what unravels the chaos of the world that's around us. You know, if somebody's drowning, and I, I, would, I would say that in many ways, the culture we live in, and I'm from, you know, I live in California and San Diego, and so things are a little special over there from time to time. And uh, that's why y'all live here. <laughs> um, but throughout America, there, there is m many elements of our culture, especially in our cities, where there is just a level of, look, of drowning kind of feeling. They're drowning in their own ideologies. They're drowning in their failed philosophies. They're drowning in their own addictions and sin. They're drowning in, in their dysfunctions. They're drowning in many ways. And how are we going to rescue a drowning culture? Are we going to throw a bucket of water at somebody who's drowning? Or are we going to throw them a rope? See, there's a lot of times... In, in church history, we've attempted to rescue drowning people by just kind of like a, a slightly better version of what they're dealing with to try to rescue them. That's like warming up water, right? Maybe, maybe the water's cold. Well, not, it's not cold here, but in, in San Diego, the, the beach is beautiful but never warm, okay? So it's just always cold over there. And if you're drowning in cold water and you get thrown warm water, it may feel good a little bit, but it's not helping you. So I don't need more motivational quotes to get me out of my dysfunction and out of my drowning state if I'm in culture. I need somebody to throw me a lifeline. I need somebody to rescue me. I need somebody to throw me a buoy. I need somebody to get me a rope. I need somebody to give me an answer and give me clarity in a confused state that I'm in. 
And this is what God has called us to do is to bring clarity where there's confusion and dysfunction. One of my favorite stories around this is in the book of Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. Um, I've, I feel like this is you know, kind of prophetic to our time right now. In Daniel chapter two, it's kind of a wild story. The King Nebuchadnezzar has a crazy dream that's kind of messing with him, right? And he's trying to figure out what it means, what's going on. So he calls his magicians and enchanters and like his kind of priests. And he brings them in and he says, listen, I've had this crazy dream. I need you to interpret it for me. So they go, cool, sounds good. Tell us the dream. We'll give you the interpretation. He's about to tell them the dream and he goes, scratch that. I'm not doing that. He goes, instead of that, here's what I'm going to do. We're leveling this thing up. I'm gonna, I want you to tell me what I dreamt last night and give me the interpretation. And if you don't, I'm going to kill you. So harsh times, you know what I'm saying? Like a little rough, a little raw in, the, in that season. And they are like, man, nobody can do what you're asking, they say. This is impossible. You're asking for something insane. Nobody's ever asked this of their magicians. Nobody's ever done that. So the king finally says, you know what? Forget it. We're killing all the wise men. We're killing all the magicians. You're all done. I'm going to reset, restart. You guys obviously aren't the real deal. See, because when the world is, is confused, they're looking for a real answer, right? And they don't know where to find it. And they're reaching out to all of their normal sources. And nobody can really give an answer. And so he's like, I'm going to kill them all. So Daniel hears about it and says, hey, let's not kill everybody yet. Um, bring me to the king. I'll see what God does. God's going to give me the answer. So then Daniel goes to the king, and God does an absolute miracle through Daniel. God gives Daniel the exact dream, and he gives Daniel the interpretation of a dream. He reveals the dream to the king, and then picking up in uh, Daniel chapter 2, Verse 45, the end there. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true. The interpretation is trustworthy. Verse 46, then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, surely your God um, is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery to me. And I love how the message reads that last part out. Your God is beyond question, the God of all gods, the master of all kings, and he solves all mysteries. I know because you have solved this mystery. See, God has, has put his church and his people in, in an era of confusion to unravel the mysteries that the culture is confused about. God has not just put us here to, to kind of exist and then get to heaven and barely escape. No, there, there's a world around you that's asking questions, that has tormenting dreams right now. And they need somebody with some boldness and some clarity to bring an answer, to bring the truth. And here's what I feel like God is looking for right now in this era. In a, in a blind world, in a blind culture, God is looking for a church that sees, right? A church that's not going to just go along with the narrative 
darkness, not going to just blend into the culture, but is going to stand up, grab the word of truth, and begin to prophesy, begin to declare, begin to reveal the truth. And when the world is screaming the nonsense that they're screaming, instead of just going, well, enjoy drowning out there in the ocean, somebody, a man or woman of God, is going to stand up and say, listen, I don't know whether you want to hear this or not, but let me tell you what the Bible says. Let me tell you what the truth of God says. Let me tell you what the clarity on your confusion is. And I'm telling you what, if you stand for truth, God will empower that. God will give you favor in your workplace. If you're a business owner, don't shy away from your faith. Own it. Live it. Pray with your team. Right? Lead the way. Uh, as, As pastors around this nation have found out in this last era, that if you bow to the culture, you will lose. But if you stand in the face of fear, if you stand in the face of oppression and tyranny, if you stand up and with boldness you keep leading with courage and leading with faith, you find that God will bless that, God will rally around that, people get excited about it. That's why I love this church, because your pastors are bold, they're strong, they're full of faith, they speak the truth and they don't shy away from it. And that is so needed, that is so necessary in this hour and this season. When the world is confused, it's weird when Christians just echo confusion as if we don't have the answer, but we do. And if you feel like you don't have the answer, it's, it's no, I'm not trying to be harsh, but it's just because you haven't read this book. Because the word of God is what brings clarity and conviction. And when you get convicted, you get vocal. Okay, when you get convicted, you get vocal. It's a little bit like, you know, you talk about what you love, right? You talk about what you love. Um, It's a little bit like I love dessert. So I'm going to talk about some good dessert. You know what I'm saying? You know, uh, I'm not going to talk about the great dessert Pastor Robin had last night because I don't want his family members to get mad. But it was super good. Um, there's a restaurant. I don't know if you guys have BJ's Brewhouse here in, in Iowa. It's a restaurant that has this dessert called a pizuki, pizza and cookie combined. It's not actual pizza, but it's a, it's a pizza tin, like this deep, and it's like a warm cookie. Maybe a restaurant here has something like it. It's basically like a warm, soft cookie with a big old scoop of ice cream in it. It'll change your life, okay? <laughs> It'll change your life. Listen. I preach about the gospel, and I preach about truth, I preach about freedom, and I preach about pazookies. Okay, listen. (laughs) I've often said, if I wasn't going to be a preacher, is there a place, is there a job for dessert salesmen? I don't know if that's a thing, but maybe QVC can hit me up with a channel. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love a good dessert. But when you love something, when you get it core on the inside of you, you start talking about it. Man, if you saw a great movie, you talk about it right? If it wasn't that great, you, you don't even bring it up. But if, if you saw something that you loved, if you experienced something that you loved, you start talking about it. You start sharing about it. You start, you know, being about it. And that conviction is going to bring a clarity. My last, you know, few moments here, I just want to remind you how confident you can be that the word of God is truth that stands the test of time. Every, every once in a while, I'll hear the stats I'm about to share with you, and it just shoots courage into me. You know, um, here's the hands-down truth. The Bible is the most um, sure, right? It's the most reliable document on earth. 
And that's not because I'm a, a pastor saying that. It is the most documented. It is the most validated. It is the most reliable document that humans have on earth. Um, we have many thousand manuscripts, but then in 19, I think around 47, they discover what was called the Dead Sea Scrolls, if you've ever heard people talk about that. Why did that matter? Because the Dead Sea Scrolls contained many more manuscripts. So now we have 5,000 manuscripts of the New Testament. And when they found these Dead Sea Scrolls, they were 1,000 years older than anything we had at that point. That's massive. And so when they went to compare them, you could think like, man, I'm sure they were a little bit nervous. Like, I hope these line up. What, what What if what we have now is completely different than what a thousand years ago the Bible had been written in. What if generation after generation people had changed it, adapted it, adjusted it, you know, redacted it, done all kinds of things to it. But they found when they compared the thousand year older manuscripts of the New Testament to the current ones that they had, they were 99.5% exactly the same after 1,000 years. How amazing is that? How amazing is it that God would take that care to make sure that his people preserve the word of God? And that 0.5%, right, that 0.5% wasn't major. It was like a couple, it was like spelling errors here and there, maybe a sentence structure kind of adjustment, but there was no meaning. There was no theological altering. There was nothing in God's word that had been adjusted in those thousand words that created a deviation in our theology, an adjustment in our faith, or some bombshell that, you know, had been changed or added or whatnot. God's word is the most reliable. We have 5,000 ancient documents like it that people like, you know, um, Socrates and Caesar and Plato, uh, right, that they wrote in some of those B.C. days. For example, Plato's uh, The Republic, which is an ancient, you know, document, was written in 380 B.C. And today, the earliest copy we have is 900 A.D., which is about, you know, 1,300 years from its original writing. And we only have seven copies of that compared to 5,000 of the New Testament. And most of the ancient documents are just like that. The comparison of the Bible's documentation to any other major document, historical writing like that, the Bible outshines it so drastically. So many of the ancient documents, the earliest they have is a thousand plus years to when it was originally written, whereas many parts of the New Testament, we have copies as early as uh, only 50 years to 250 years at the most from when they were originally written right? This is unbelievable because it's in the lifetime of writers, right? It's in the lifetime of those who lived it, who acted on it, right? So it's unbelievable that God has preserved his word. So I want to encourage you and I want to reaffirm to you that God's word is true. God's word is unchanging. God's word is powerful. It is the answer that the world needs. And you got to get that conviction so deeply. It isn't just like, hey, I'm a big fan of being politically active and politically involved. But who's in the White House is not the sum total of, the, uh, of what we need as a nation. 
because we can have anybody in the White House, but if we have rejected the Bible at the foundation of our nation, it don't matter if we have a conservative or a liberal in the White House. We need the truth of God to come back into our nation, back into our schools, back into our halls of justice, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. This is the only answer. And don't believe a lie that you can have some sort of utopian secular society where we don't have faith involved. That doesn't work. The founders of America knew that the only way a free republic could, a free republic could stand was that it was a moral people. And the morality that our founders spoke of was a biblical morality. There was no doubt about it that America was founded upon the principles that are found in the only truth, the only way, the only life, which is the word of God. If your life is going to stand, if your family is going to stand, if your business is going to stand, if a state and a and nation is going to stand, it's only going to stand because it stands on the principles in God's word. Amen. Amen. Let me finish with this, and then we're going to pray. And then you guys can go to brunch. Um, Ephesians chapter 6, it's a familiar passage to, to many of us. It's called the armor, right? The armor of God. And as you're living out your faith, I, I, I was stirred to go to this, and I was reminded of something interesting about how the armor of God is structured when we're talking about truth. Ephesians chapter 6, let me read a few of these verses. They're powerful and they speak life into our times right now. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. How many know the devil's got schemes, right? How many know the devil is coming to steal, kill, and destroy? But Jesus comes that we might have a life and have it to the full. Amen. But the devil has schemes, verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Right? You're not going to be able to stand your ground with the philosophies of a failed culture. You're only going to be able to stand when you stand with the truth of God's word. Okay, so after having done everything to stand, verse 14, the first piece of the armor of God, watch this, stand firm then with the belt of truth. Somebody say truth. The belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith for which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And last, verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Which is the word of God. I, I hadn't noticed before this weekend preparing for this that the armor of God begins with truth and ends with truth. That it's what holds us up and it's what takes us forward. Right? We need truth in our life. Become a consumer of God's word. If there's anything that you could take away from today, I hope it would be to get a daily habit of reading God's word. If you haven't started that, or if you've got frustrated because you feel like you tried that and you keep, you know, forgetting or you keep skipping a month or 10 years, you know what I mean? Like, whatever it is, hey, don't feel shame about it. 
Because you're not getting a pop quiz when you get to heaven other than who's your savior, right? You know, so you don't have to worry about having memorized the whole thing. But the reality is we are not going to live with all the blessing, all the favor, all the promises, all the authority that God has given us if we don't know what's in the book. We're not going to be able to bring clarity to a confused world if we hear the world talking and then we just start echoing what the world's saying. No, no, we need to start speaking this until it brings clarity to a confused world. I'll end, I'll end with this. You know, when a baby is first born, they do not speak your native language, right? It doesn't matter whether you're born in America or you're born in Africa, where you speak Swahili there and English here. When the baby's first born, it doesn't speak any language. It just makes noises, right? And the only way that a baby learns the language of their parents is by hearing them constantly speaking it. And at first, with your baby, and I have, two, I have two daughters, and at first, they're just making random noises, and then all of a sudden, they start mimicking the sounds you're making. And then all of a sudden, now those sounds start sounding like words, and they oftentimes don't even know what they're saying. They're just repeating because they're hearing you saying it. But at some point, you actually get to start dialoguing with that human <laughs> because now all of a sudden they understand you. They understand what you're saying, how you're saying it, and they can themselves begin to form sentences and communicate with you. And when it comes to the world that's around us, when you speak truth, oftentimes it's like speaking to a child that cannot understand what you're saying. The world that we live in, in a general sense, is literally unable to understand truth. They are so used to lies. They are so used to the lies of the enemy that when you speak truth, they look at you like a child looks at a parent and cannot understand what they're saying. But here's the key for the body of Christ, is that we don't stop speaking. Because if my daughter, after the first week of her life, if I said, man, something's wrong with this kid, she don't understand what I'm saying, right? She's one week old already. She's not talking. She's, I'm getting nowhere with her language advancement, right? That would be weird because it takes a little bit longer than that. We know that, right? It takes time for a child to grow. It takes time for them to develop language. It takes time for them to learn and understand that process. It, it, it takes time for that to build. And the same thing with culture. Culture is going to look at you weird. They may even say, man, what you're saying is nonsense because they can't understand it. But the key is that us as believers, those who have clarity, would have enough of a conviction to keep speaking the truth. And you keep speaking. And you keep speaking. And you speak in love, right? The truth of love. But you keep speaking. You keep speaking. And eventually the people around you are going to start understanding. And they're going to start going, man, my life is dysfunctional and I need hope. So talk to me. My life is off the rails and something about you, something about you is advancing. Something about you has hope, has life, has peace, has joy. And I need to know what that is. The language that you're talking, I vaguely understand it. It almost doesn't make sense to me, but I, I need to hear it more. I need to understand what's going on. And just like that offering testimony where that guy's like, no, actually, I don't know Jesus. Tell me more about this guy. Tell me more about it. See, we have a confused, hungry, broken, drowning world that needs a church.
that sees, a church that sees truth from lies, a church that sees light from darkness, a church that sees good from evil, a church that's able to speak up and boldly declare the truth of God and tell a world around it can begin to understand what you're saying and be led to their Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. If you got that, why don't you give God a hand clap for the word this morning. Let's all stand to our feet. I'm going to just pray and then turn back over to Pastor Sean here in a moment. First of all, just lift your hands. I want to pray for boldness over you, uh, to preach the truth, to share the truth, to come against the lies of the culture with the truth of God's word. Father, I pray for a bold church. I pray for a church full of the truth of God, full of grace and truth, just like you, Jesus. You came full of truth, full of grace. God, let us be the same. Let us come to the world that's around us that's hurting, broken, and drowning, and let us come with truth, and let us come with grace, I pray in Jesus' name. Give us us the answer to the confusing dreams of our culture. Give us the interpretation, I pray. Help us to unravel the mysteries of the pain that they're in so they can see Jesus. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. One more thing before I go. Everybody's head bowed and eyes closed. I know your church doesn't like to leave a service without asking this question, and neither do I. The question is, have you made that decision yet to put your faith in Jesus? Are you a follower of Jesus? You know, you look at your life, and maybe you're here at church for the first time. You're hardly not even sure how you got here. Or maybe you've been coming for a long time. But you've never made the decision to say, I'm going to turn from my way. My way isn't working. I've been trying to, you know, get good in my own strength. I've been trying to make all the right decisions in my own strength. I've, I've been, you know, chasing for love in all the wrong places. And But I, I know that Jesus is the hope. Jesus is the answer. He's what I need. I'm going to put my faith in him. I'm going to turn and follow Jesus. In a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond and say yes to that. Or maybe in the room and you've done that in the past, but you've been running, you've been away from God and you find yourself back in the house of God. You feel a little prodigal-like and you're almost ashamed about it, but you're here and I want to remind you that God loves you and he's welcoming you home. He's welcoming you back. But you're here and you say, man, I just want to make a fresh commitment, kind of draw a line in the sand, step over and say, God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to follow you. I'm here. I'm all in. You have my life. So if it's either one of those, whether it's the very first time you've never made a decision to follow Christ, you say, today's my day. I'm telling you what, if you're away from God, do not wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. It's the best thing in the world. It's the best decision you can make is to surrender your life to Jesus and say, forgive me, heal me, set me straight. I'm telling you what, nothing we can do in our own strength to get good enough will ever get us to God. Only Jesus was able to do that. And when he died on the cross, he made that way for us to come back to the Father, come back in relationship again. And like he said, he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. So on the count of three, I'm going to have you boldly lift up your hand if that's you for the first time or as a fresh recommitment. You're saying, count me in, pray with me. I want to pray with you guys here this morning. Whether you're here in this room or maybe you're watching online, you say, that's me. I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Just go ahead and lift up your hand. Let me know who I'm praying with. Awesome. Great. Anybody else? Awesome. See your hands. Great. Awesome. Anybody else? Just say, that's me. Count me in. Pray with me. I want to make this a new day, a new start. Anybody else? I don't, I don't want to leave anyone out. Awesome. Great. See your hands. So good. 
Anybody else who say, come on, today's my day. This is my moment. Proud of you guys. You're amazing. Well done. So good. He loves you. Not, nothing better than giving your life to him and allow him to heal you, save you, set you free, and give you purpose and life moving forward. Anybody else? One more moment. One more moment. You say, that's me. Lift up your hand. Let me know who I'm praying with. Okay, awesome. Church, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray with those who just raised their hand. Those of you who raised your hand, I want you to pray with boldness and conviction, knowing that God hears you, He loves you, He's setting you free, and He's bringing you close to Him again. But the whole church family, we're all going to join in with you and pray in this together. So church, say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father. Well, thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, be sure to check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, please visit MyEternity.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at MyEternityChurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.